market for a new vehicle? Find it now at jimellis.com, the only place where you can shop and compare more than 4,500 cars, trucks, and SUVs from Jim Ellis Automotive's entire network of 20 dealerships. I'm Stacey Ellis, Vice President of Jim Ellis Automotive. As Georgia's largest family-owned and operated dealership group, we have lots of choices for you, including one of the largest inventories of new certified pre-owned and pre-owned vehicles in the state. An exclusive collection of gas, hybrid, and electric models from 20 locations representing nearly 40 brands and featuring more than 4,500 vehicles. Start your deal online with the Jamel's Expressway and save time at the dealership or complete your entire purchase from home. Calculate your payment, determine your trade-in value, and more. And when your purchase is complete, our Jamel's Expressway delivery trucks are available to deliver your new vehicle to your home or office. Ready for a quick, easy, and convenient car buying experience? Visit jamelis.com today. Jamelis Automotive, where you can always expect the best. Welcome to another episode of the 643 Podcast with yours truly, Dylan Short, brought to you by 680 The Fan and the Dickey Broadcasting Company. So good to be back here. I did enjoy my vacation. Thanks to those of you that have asked me. It was a lot of fun. Got to take Carter down to the beach for the first time. Little man enjoyed the heck out of it. He was a wild child the entire time, but uh, had a whole lot of fun. And now we are back at it. Really excited to be back. Luckily, I don't I I wish I could say that I planned this, but I didn't. The uh the the vacation week was the West Coast trip and uh that was probably one of the more forgettable moments for the Braves since the second half of the season started. It ended up going 3 and 3 on the West Coast trip, which, you know, normally most years you take that and you say, "Hey, that's fine. That that's all you should really expect going on a West Coast trip this late in the year." But Braves really should have done better than 3 and 3. Um Obviously, Oakland, they're not good. You took both those games. They were tighter games than they had any right to be, but you took both those games. That Seattle series left me wanting more, and I thought the Braves played well up until Kinley Jansen had some issues. Kind of ditto for the Giants. No excuse to lose to the Giants. Giants are a bad baseball team, Um, but you did, and that's kind of how it goes sometimes. Uh, Braves came back home. Since then, though, the Braves have not lost a game. Just got done sweeping the Phillies, took game one from Washington yesterday. So we've got a lot of stuff to talk about today, a lot of stuff to kind of mull over and, and kind of take stock of where things are. So as we stand today on Tuesday, the National League East is still being held by the New York Mets. They are up by one game, although they are 94-55, and 55, whereas the Braves are 92-55. and 55. So in that, you can still make up ground without actually having to play head-to-head or on days where the Mets are off. The Mets have played two more games than the Braves. That could come into play in a, in a race that's this tight, and you look at both of these teams, 94 wins and 92 wins. So I think there's 15 games left in the season. I should probably know that off the top of my head, but I've got the schedule right here. So we've got today, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 
11, 12, 13, 14, 15 games left in the season to make up that one game. Looks like it is going to go down to the wire. Luckily, the Braves have the Nationals for two more games before you get the Phillies for four. And somehow get to miss Zach Wheeler again in that four-game set with the Phillies. Then you get another three with the, with the Nationals before you get that last home series against the Mets. September 30th, October 1st, October 2nd, before we finish out the season in Miami. So the Braves do have, they do have an opportunity. They're going to have an opportunity, I should say, to take care of this on their own home field as long as they keep doing what they're supposed to be doing. Uh, the Brewers let the Braves down mightily yesterday. They've got a uh, Aaron Ashby going up against Carlos Carrasco against the Mets today as the Mets will have two more with the Brewers, three with the A's, two with the Marlins, and then that set of three with the Braves before finishing with the Nationals. And for the Mets, they're just kind of holding on for dear life right now as it's been... Their last 10, they're 7-3, and three, and they really haven't gained any ground, which I said before, that makes it very frustrating when you're the team in the lead, but um, they don't exactly have the toughest schedules. It is looking like that that series in Atlanta is going to be what decides the NL East, and I, I think that I do think both teams are going to finish with over 100 wins. Uh, I mean, as long as they play 500 baseball the rest of the way, they both are going to finish out with 100. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, that's pretty incredible for the division. Uh but just looking at the Braves, the the early start this season, that month and a half, two month stretch of baseball where they were just putrid, that I've talked about it before. That that can be all it takes to cost you a division when the other team in your division, your chief rival, is also very good. And the Mets, while they're not as good as the Braves, they are a very good team. They have, you know, anytime you got Max Scherzer, Jacob DeGrom, they've got good pitching. Uh, their lineup, I struggle with their lineup because it's not a lineup that I think succeeds in the postseason. They don't have any power, uh, I think. I mean, they've got Alonzo who's got pop, and that's really about it. Uh, Francisco Lindor's got 21-22 homers, something like that. Uh, he's he's actually probably their second best power hitter this season. They don't strike out a ton, which is nice, but you do have to have the ability to change the game in one swing. And outside of Pete Alonzo, they don't really have that. So that's why I've, I'm not... 24 home runs for Lindor, I should say. That's why I'm not concerned about the Mets in the postseason. But that doesn't mean that they can't take advantage of what the Braves have done early on in the season to kind of screw it up. And this is where digging yourself into that hole really, really hurts. Because I've told you guys, I don't want to be a wild card. I want to win the division. I want to win the division a fifth straight year, a sixth straight year, a seventh straight year. I want to keep winning the division. I don't want to have to be a wild card. And yeah, there's the whole point about the buy and everything, but I don't even care about that. I think the Braves are genuinely the toughest matchup for any team out there. Out of anybody in the National League, if you're the Dodgers, who's your toughest matchup? The Braves. If you're the Mets, who's the toughest matchup? The Braves. That's just kind of what this team is. And they've got a really deep lineup. The pitching has been going fairly well, although Kyle Wright kind of, I don't want to say he's looking bad because he only gave up two runs yesterday, but he didn't pitch especially well. Gave up eight hits to a really bad Nationals lineup. Only gave up the two runs because he only had one walk. He did have seven Ks, which was nice. Um, but that's a few times now where he's kind of looked a lot more hittable than he had at other points in the season. And it's been a long season. I, I do expect it at times. But luckily, that's not... Kyle Wright, I love what he's done this year, but he's not really the story for the Braves this year. Austin Riley's or Austin Riley hit a home run yesterday. Riley's been good. He's 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 been 
the most powerful hitter on the team. I would still say you could make the argument that he's been the best player on the team, certainly over the course of the full season he has. If you look at Austin this year, 37 bombs, 92 ribbies, got the same walk rate as last year with a uh, with a, a strikeout percentage that he cut by about a full percentage point, uh, hitting 278, 350 with a 548 slugging. It's good for a 146 WRC plus and a 5.4 F4. He has been outstanding this season. But I would still say that it's on on the offensive end of things. Michael Harris has been that has been the guy, and you know, it's not it's not crazy to say, oh, you shouldn't have expected this. Nice, no, twenty one years old, definitely shouldn't have expected this. He's twenty one and a half, we'll say, and he's been worth. He just got his eighteenth home run the other day, eighteen homers, seventeen R or fifty nine RBI, seventeen steals. So go with a three hundred five, three forty three, and five thirty seven line. Good for a one forty two WRC plus and four point four F four in just 100 games. So if he had played, looking ahead at next year, now, I do want to temper expectations just a touch because the second year for players tends to be more difficult. Now, he's got 100 games this season, so maybe the sophomore slump won't be quite as big of a deal for him. But it typically is that sophomore year for position players where, where things can kind of go south. But if you're just looking at a per 162, Michael Harris is on pace for like a six and a half, seven war campaign. He's been incredible all season long. He's just continued it going. And there's a real shot. He goes 2020. And when you're talking about a, a rookie of the year race, that's this close. And it's just awesome. It's really can't stress how incredible it is that it, it's this close of a race. And it's between two Braves players. But what Michael's done, if he goes 2020 in a year that a lot of people weren't expecting him to get up at all, I mean, that's that that's pretty dang impressive. And you talk about the extension that he got already. He already looks like a superstar. He already plays like one. He's got the defense. He's got the speed, the aggressiveness. He's got the swing. He just he looks like he's got everything. And the only thing that could stop him from winning the rookie of the year it's the fact that Spencer Strider is just doing things that are are record breaking. I mean, Spencer just got himself up over the 200 strikeout mark in his last start in 131 and two thirds innings. It's incredible. It's, I knew he could strike guys. He's got 202 strikeouts in 131 and two thirds innings. That's 13.8 Ks per nine. He's just been so ridiculous. He just beat Randy Johnson for the least amount of innings to get to 200 strikeouts. He's been, he he's just amazing. And, and you look at what he's doing and you watch him start. These last couple for him have been a little bit more, the control hasn't been there at the start of the game. And I've said this before, but I think the most impressive part to me, aside from the crazy strikeout numbers, because that that's just not supposed to happen. Uh, I think the, the other part of this for me is that he just doesn't really walk people. His walks are just over three walks per nine. And that's because as a reliever, he had four walks per nine. As a starter, he's under three walks per nine. He's got the best strikeout to walk percentage in baseball. He's got the best strikeout percentage of any starter. He doesn't qualify for the ERA title, which is stupid. But he's got a FIP under two. I mean, he's just been, he's been the best pitcher on the team. And I say that as a team that has Max Freed. It's just, it's incredible. And I think, I know Alex doesn't really give out extensions to pitchers, but you, you man, you got to get one out to Spencer. And you look ahead at Spencer for his second season. The, I, 
I don't know that you could tell me something, and you know, I would say that it's out of the question for Spencer next year, unless you tell me he's going to be bad. I mean, Spencer's going to get 300 strikeouts next year, and he's, you're sitting there at 4.9 F4. I think we can round up to five. But you look at what Spencer has done between him and Michael Harris, it's a big part of why this Braves team is doing what they're doing, but it's not just those guys. Ronald is all of a sudden starting to, to hit a lot better. He's hit two homers. Uh, and, and he hit two homers in the series with Philadelphia. He uh, He's hit a few doubles. He's, he's starting to put more oomph behind it. He's starting to get his lower half involved a little bit more. William Contreras has been, honestly, William has probably been my favorite player to watch this year. The growth that he's made has just been incredible. In 83 games, he's got 324 plate appearances, 19 homers, 42 RBI, Almost a double-digit walk rate. Hitting 278, 346 with a 522 slug. It's a 138 WRC plus or 2.2 F4. William Contreras has been off the charts good this year. I mean, Michael Harris has been off the charts. I talked about him. Spencer Strider. Ronald is getting better, but Austin Riley's going to have a, a five and a half, probably 5.6, 5.7 F4 campaign. I mean, it's been Travis Darno. Can't forget about Travis Darno. I mean, Travis is kind of the forgotten guy because of how how well William Contreras plays and how upset I get when Snit doesn't put Contreras in the lineup as often as he should. But Travis has had a heck of a season too. And it's been it's just been that way for any number of these guys in this team. There's been some guys that have struggled, no question. Eddie Rosario has not been good this year. Marcelo Zuna has not been good this year. He's just not a good player for the last couple of years. It's just... I, I look around and I look at this roster and I, I just don't see anybody roster construction wise that I think is going to stop this Braves team. That doesn't mean that there's not anything that can stop this Braves team because there are, because the Braves and, and some of the choices that they can make them that might not, that might not do so well later on. You're starting to see some things that are worrying, but on to Travis Darno's season, I mean, he's played in 96 games, 381 plate appearances, 17 homers, 55 RBI, hitting 273, 328, 483 with a 124 WRC+. What the Braves have gotten from the catcher position is unreal this year. Now, what I bring up with the whole, I'm not worried about an outside roster hurting the Braves, I am very concerned. I don't want this to seem like I'm just saying everything's going perfectly. If it was, the Braves would be winning the division. But not everything is going as smoothly as it needs to go. Matt Olson has really been struggling lately. Now he did hit a double yesterday. He had a two hit game yesterday. So maybe he'll come out of that, but he's down to 235, 324, 58 on the season. It's a 113 WRC plus. That's really low for Matt Olson. That is his second lowest outside of 2020. Just not, not particularly good there for him. He does have 28 homers and 91 RBI, but he's really been wearing it lately. He was trapped in a, what was it like a four for 40, four skid or something like that in a really really tough skid uh and he's played 147 games now if you remember so the Braves have 15 games left in the season that means he is on pace to play every single game this season I told you Austin Riley had been probably still you could say the best player on the team I might tell you that it's I might really tell you that it's been Michael Harris but you could you could at least argue the case that it's Austin Riley Austin 145 games He's going to play 160 at this current pace. Just, that's not great. But Dansby Swanson, who's had 
a career year for the most part. Second half hasn't been quite as good. But that just an electric first half has been a, a really, really good player all season long. He's on pace to play 162. He's got 20 homers, 87 RBI, and 17 steals. He might go 2020 this year. He's now to at he's now sitting at 279, 334, 438 with a 114 WRC plus and been worth 5.6 F war. That's not a bad line at all. But if you're comparing to what he was doing in the first half, that's a significant drop off. If you look at his numbers from the first half to the second half, I'm just gonna read you um, his first half and second half here once I get them pulled up. First half. 294, 353, 481 were with an 880 uh, with an 833 OPS, 131 WRC plus. Second half. Still about the same strikeout rate, still about the same walk rate, still about the same pretty much across the board there. But then you get into his actual line numbers. 252, 303, 367 with the 669 OPS. That's an 85 WRC plus. That's a significant drop-off. And I think a lot of it is just the fact that these guys are having to play every single game. And I know Snit likes to play his guys every day, and I know the players want to play every day, but dude, it's not working. You got to give these guys some days off. You, This is something that has bothered me about Brian Snicker for so long, and it didn't matter in 2020 because it's a 60-game season. Last year, the Braves were able to overcome it, and it didn't end up hurting them. But dude, that is not a risk that you want to be taking every single year. There's a reason why... You don't see teams having guys play 160 games consistently. It's just you've got nothing left by the time October rolls around. And that's really what you're looking for. You're not, re you're not looking to have the best regular season record. You're looking to win the World Series. And when you look at the, the leaders in games played, I'm going to lead them off for I'm going to read them off for you right here. Francisco Lindor and Pete Alonso both played 148 games. Then three and four is Dansby Matt Olson. Vlad Guerrero Jr., who DHs a lot and plays first base at 146. Then you have Freddie at 145. Austin at 145. Bo Bichette, Jose Abreu, Marcus Simeon rounds out the top 10. But look at that. The Braves and the Mets are the only teams with two guys in the top in the top 10. And the Braves have three players in the top 10 in games played. That is not good. Trey Turner is... The, like, the Dodgers have one. The next is Trey Turner at 144. And then they don't have another one in the top 30. That's how, that's not, you don't want your guys so worn out, especially every single one of your infielders, dude. And they're so important to your lineup. You got to find ways to get these guys days off. You got guys to give them days. Orlando Arcia hasn't gotten a start since he's come back up. It's just, I, I, I know you're in the thick of a playoff hunt. I understand you are in the thick of the division battle. I get it. I do. I really do. And I told you, I want to win the division, but you're playing the Nationals. You have opportunities to get guys breaks. You've been doing it with the pitching staff. You called up Bryce Elder. I would imagine you're going to see him get a start against the Nationals and maybe push Spencer Strider back one or against the Phillies, push Strider back so you can line him up to face the Mets. But dude, you got to give your you got to give your infielders a day off now and again too. I know Dansby's defense is super important, but you can always you can always have Orlando Arcia play short, or you can have Vaughn slide over to short or same thing, you can give Olsen a day off and have Riley slide over to first and Vaughn plays third or Arcia plays third. You've got a lot of guys who can cover that for one game. Take advantage of it. Get some days off. Matt Olsen especially. Matt has been so bad here lately. I don't understand why he hasn't had a day. I mean, it's... I, Matt hasn't been good in the second half. Riley has really not been particularly good in the second half. I know we got a homer yesterday, but overall in the second half has not been great. And you shouldn't be surprised. It's no, it's no 
bad mark on them. Just I'm, here, I'm going to read you Riley's numbers too, in case you're you're doubting how that's been. Riley in the first half, 285, 348, 575 with a 922 OPS, 152 WRC+. Plus. Second half, 267, 353, 500 with a 136 WRC+. Plus. That seems really good. But in the month of, sep- eh, month of September, he's at a 106 now. August, he was at 109 WRC+. Plus. September, 106. So it's not like he's been a bad player, but it has been significantly less, hitting 200, 290 with a 467 slug and a 757 OPS. It's not like he's a, been a bad player, but it's been significantly less than what he'd been putting up to that point. And you look at Matt Olson, it's the same thing. Dansby Swanson, same thing. They're just tired, man. You got to give him a day off. Make sure that they're not worn out by the time you get to the postseason. I think that'll pay huge dividends. Also, once we get to the postseason, I expect to see William Contreras in this lineup every day. One person that I was hoping to see every day, but it doesn't look like we're going to, or at least we're not sure, Ozzy Albies, who after three months, after bowing a ball off his foot or, or whatever and breaking his foot, he finally got back, played two games. That's the two games where Ronald hit homers. Just had a big injection of life into the roster. Uh, it was good to see Ozzy back. He then breaks his pinky, diving into second base, uh, hit up against Gene Segura's cleat, it looked like, and fractured his pinky. Not bad enough to need surgery, but out at least for three weeks. Uh, looks like he's he's done for the regular season. Hopefully he's back in time for the postseason. And just, uh, you feel so bad for Ozzy. It was great to see him back. The team obviously responded to having him back. He's such an important piece for the team as a whole. It was good to see Ronald and Ozzy chopping it up again, having fun in the dugout. It just, I missed seeing Ozzy Albies play. You got two games and he breaks his finger and he's out for the rest of this regular season anyway. Luckily for the Braves, they do have Vaughn Grissom who can slot right in. And Vaughn has been struggling a little bit lately. Uh, he's certainly been figured out a little bit by the big league pitchers. And that's not all that surprising. I'd said this before that I, I, I love Vaughn Grissom. I think he's going to be an exceptional player. Uh, maybe not quite as ready as as some of the, as some of the other ones, but he's hitting two. He's still hitting two ninety seven, three fifty seven, four sixty six on the season with a one twenty eight WRC plus. The defense has kind of fallen off a, a touch. He's he's made a couple errors. He's missed a couple that I thought he could get to, but I have no doubts that he can be a good defender. He's got the right actions for it. But I'll pull up his his splits here and and kind of give you a little idea. He's not hitting the ball quite as hard as he was. Um, September not been as good for him. I won't say it's been awful, um, but it's not been it's not been the same as what it was. What I do like about him though uh, is the walk rate is climbing, the strikeout rates climbed in September and October for sure. But he he just gives you a different type of at bat. I'm fine if you're telling me that Vaughn Grissom is having is in the lineup every day because I think he does give you a different element from the rest of the guys in this lineup. I just wish that they'd been a little bit. I just wish Ozzy was here. That's really, that's about all I could say. Is I, I just wish Ozzy wasn't hurt. Um, they weren't playing Vaughn Grissom, at least the two games that Ozzy was back. Vaughn was on the bench. Uh, I may, Maybe they're just not going to throw him into the outfield until he gets a full offseason to work out, work on it. That's certainly possible. Uh, that Then that's rough, too, because Eddie Rosario has been awful this season. Robbie Grossman's been pretty good. I've liked what I've seen from Robbie. I wouldn't mind seeing him back next year. He's come up big here lately. Um, but I don't need to see Marcel play in the playoffs. I need to see the best lineup you can possibly put out. And that also means that William Contreras needs to be batting fifth in this lineup, either fifth or bat or fourth and, and move Matt Olson down because you, you, you know more of having Travis in front of William Contreras. William Contreras has been so massively important to this lineup. He's been so good. 
stop stop overlooking William Contreras. Stop burying him in the bottom of the lineups and get him up in some run some run producing opportunities here. That that's what William Contreras is, and that's what he should be. Excellent season overall from the Braves. But between Spencer Strider and Michael Harris, who do I think is the rookie of the year? I've been rolling with Spencer Strider all year long. I think I'm going to stick with Spencer. I really wouldn't be shocked. Well, I say I've been rolling with Spencer. I actually started out saying Michael Harris because he's a position player. But I think now that Spencer can point to he broke a Randy Johnson record, now you get that onto the resume as well. Now you can tell me it's Michael Harris, and I'm not going to be upset at all. Michael Harris has been incredible. He's certainly deserving. But I think Spencer Strider honestly should be the Cy Young winner. And I know Sandy Alcantara has five complete games. Spencer has been a far better pitcher than Sandy in their relative terms as far as starting. Now, it's different situations. Sandy has to go deeper than Spencer, whatever. But Spencer's been more dominant arm. And that's not a, that's not a slide against Sandy. He's been more dominant than anybody outside of Jacob DeGrom. And technically, he's been more, he's been more lights out than DeGrom. But DeGrom is the only person since he's come back that's got a better strikeout and a lower walk ratio, essentially. It's got a better strikeout to walk ratio than uh, Spencer. Spencer's just ridiculous. He has been the most dominant pitcher since he's entered in the lineup. Since he's entered in the starting rotation, doesn't look like it's slowing down. I am watching a little bit. First couple of innings of his last two starts, though. The command hasn't quite been there. He's racked up a couple of walks. Now he's responded really nicely. But that's just something I'm going to kind of watch just a touch in his next start, and we'll see what happens. Because we do know that the Mets, if his next start is against, let's see, his next start would be, maybe it's tomorrow? I don't I don't really know. If he goes soon, you can get him to where he, he pitches against the Mets. That's all that matters. That start against the Mets, we've seen what happens. You can't afford to be throwing balls. They will take their walks and run your pitch count up early and get you out of there. So we'll see how Spencer responds. But I just think he's been so good this year that if he qualified for the RA lead, he'd win the Cy Young. He's, that's how good he's been. If you give him an extra, he's been in 31 games. He's got 20 starts, something like that. I mean, if you were to give him another five or six actual starts, he'd be up over 300 strikeouts. I mean, he's best season for a pitcher this year has been Spencer Strider. It's not not really particularly close either. I mean, he's, he's just been <laughs> he's been absolutely electric. Uh, he's he's my rookie of the year. No no sliding against Michael Ayers. I think Michael's been incredible too. And I think I think Michael outside of like Mike Trout, because Mike Trout's such a good offensive player, outside of what Aaron Judge has done this year because he's been playing center field. If you're just talking about all around center fielders so far this year and guys that I think remain as center fielders, Michael Harris is the best. I think he's the best in baseball. I mean, if he's not right now, it's very quickly going to be. That's that's the level of talent he is, and that the Braves can have two superstars position player-wise between Michael Harris and Ronald Acuna, have a superstar pitcher in Spencer Strider, have another star pitcher in Max Fried, maybe a superstar, but if he weren't so dadgum underrated. I mean, it's, it's, it's a ridiculous time in Atlanta. And you talk about a team that's going to have a lot of money to add after the season to whatever spot they want to, because there's not a lot of spots to add to. This is a team that I'm looking at as a dynasty, and I think the Braves are, are going well. You get a you get a decent matchup tonight. Charlie Morton, good for the Braves. Uh, and Patrick Corbin for the Nationals. Patrick Corbin is awful. He's also a lefty, which the Braves have faced a lot of lately. They've been in a real stretch facing lefties, which is nice for the Braves lineup. The Braves lineup just crushes lefties. Uh, look forward to seeing that tonight. I'm not going to make any predictions on who does what, because every time I highlight a player, they, team to, they, they seem to suck. So I'm just going to try not to mush on that for today. Uh, but overall, I think the Braves are in really good position. Win these next couple of games. Just keep winning. Keep doing your thing. You're better than the teams you're playing. That four-game set with the Phillies, uh, just take at least three out of the four there. 
hopefully the kind of hope that the Brewers can can help out a little bit and win at least one of these games. They can take one of the games. Braves keep doing what they're doing against the Nationals and the Phillies. You get to kind of take care of your own destiny. You'll have an opportunity to to finish it out at home. Then you get to finish off with Miami. There's still a lot riding on this. There's a lot going on into this. I think the Braves will pull it out, though. I think the Braves will still win the division. It's going to be tight. I think they're both winning 100 games. But I think the Braves, when it's all said and done, the Braves will be the team on top. I can't wait to see it. First pitch will be at 720 tonight. Hopefully you guys will be watching. We'll be back again on Thursday to discuss a little bit more. Thank you, guys. Nice to be back. Got back into the flow a little bit. Missed doing the show here. So uh, nice to get back in touch with you guys. I will be on 680 The Fan tomorrow night from 6 to 7, doing a little bit of the Front Rows Audio Fun Bag before tomorrow's game. It'll be kind of fun. Or tomorrow's game. I believe tomorrow's game is actually a day game, now that I think about it. Let's actually take a look at that. I don't want to tell you guys anything wrong. Tonight is 720. Tomorrow is, actually, yes, Wednesday is a day game. Wednesday is the 12.20 p.m. That will be Josiah Gray versus Max Freed. Should be a fun matchup there. But I will be doing a, a uh, Front Rose Audio fun bag before. Oh, it's before the Jeff Collins report on 6 of the Fan. So hopefully you guys will tune in and see me there. I'll be back here to 643 Podcast on Thursday. Until then, y'all have a great time. Go Braves. I'll see y'all again on Thursday. Bye-bye now. That's all, folks. In the market for a new vehicle? Find it now at JimEllis.com, the only place where you can shop and compare more than 4,500 cars, trucks, and SUVs from Jim Ellis Automotive's entire network of 20 dealerships. I'm Stacey Ellis, Vice President of Jim Ellis Automotive. As Georgia's largest family-owned and operated dealership group, we have lots of choices for you, including one of the largest inventories of new certified pre-owned and pre-owned vehicles in the state an exclusive collection of gas, hybrid, and electric models from 20 locations representing nearly 40 brands and featuring more than 4,500 vehicles. Start your deal online with the Jamel's Expressway and save time at the dealership or complete your entire purchase from home. Calculate your payment, determine your trade-in value, and more. And when your purchase is complete, our Jamel's Expressway delivery trucks are available to deliver your new vehicle to your home or office. Ready for a quick, easy, and convenient car buying experience? Visit jamelis.com today. Jamel's Automotive, where you can always expect the best. What are your plans for your business this year? Hey, it's Tug. Do you want to expand and grow? Aren't you exhausted by going to lenders, building a relationship, and a week later, you got a new person to deal with? You have to start all over again? You don't have that with First Liberty Building and Loan. The Frost family has been helping businesses grow since the 90s, and they want to know you. Unlike big banks, they want to partner with you. The Frost family knows the patterns. They know the ebbs and flows. They know business. Get to know them at FirstLibertyGA.com. Building a building? Buying a building? Buying a franchise? Expanding? Reach out to them. Spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a fit for them and if they're a fit for you. You do that at FirstLibertyGA.com. And by the way, if you're a young banker and want to work with a team that is faith-friendly and has a culture of excellence, First Liberty might be a good match. Reach out to them today. First Liberty Building and Loan. FirstLibertyGA.com. That's FirstLibertyGA.com.